Uh, hey, let's get into our Bible study this morning. Take your Bible, turn to James chapter 1. We're in part 3 of Give Me Wisdom. And this teaching is a request, it's a, it's a prayer, it's an ongoing prayer of our hearts. And we need more wisdom, don't we? Don't you need more wisdom? I mean, we, we've got a lot of stuff facing us in life and, and for our nation and our country and our communities and things of that nature. We need more wisdom from above. Remember, we started a couple weeks ago, we started in 1 Kings 3, and we looked at Solomon's dream. Remember, Solomon had a dream, and then God asked him a question. It was kind of a blank check type question. Uh, I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? And Solomon's reply was, give me an understanding or a hearing heart. He asked for wisdom, basically. I want to be able to, to have wisdom so I can lead this great people of yours. Uh, that's, that's a great response, isn't it? If God was to ask you something, and in response to that, God gave him wisdom, didn't he? God gave him wisdom, but what did he also give him? He gave him riches and honor as well. And he said, because you didn't ask for this selfishly so, so that you could serve the people, you asked this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless your life. I'm going to bless your life. So, and then last week, we looked at some thoughts that Solomon shared from Proverbs 1 and 3. We just kind of went through and picked a few scriptures and we namely landed in the, the idea of the fear of the Lord. Remember what it said? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we talked about that fear of the Lord being in right relationship. I want to go into James chapter 1. I want to start in verse number 2 and, and read through verse number 8. Uh, let's, let's get this idea of give me wisdom again. All right? You ready to read? You ready? All right. Starting in verse number 2. James. Now, this is James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. Um, grew up with Jesus. Okay? was one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. He says this, My brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of y'all checked out already? <laughs> you done checked out already? It, 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 that's, oof. It's hard for us to swallow some of that sometimes. Verse number five, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, help us today. We, we need your wisdom. We need your insight. Lord, help us to receive your word as bread for our soul. We thank you, Lord. We give it our attention. Change our minds. Renew our hearts. Renew us, Lord. Transform us today according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So now James paints a picture right here in these short few verses. He paints a picture of a person that's going through trouble, going through a troublesome situation. In fact, uh, we know according to the very first verse, these are, these are Messianic believers, uh, Jewish believers in Jesus that have been scattered all throughout the land, probably because of persecution. So they're going through trouble. Everywhere they go, they're, they're, they're oppressed, they're persecuted, all kinds of things are happening in their lives. And James responds with this letter to strengthen their faith and to help them to stay vigilant and pursuing Christ. You know, trouble's a part of life, isn't it? Trouble is real. It's, it comes to everybody, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, trouble comes. And, and this is just a real reality, a picture that he's painting. And James instructs us on two things. He instructs us on our perspective, on how we view our troubles, on how we view life, on how we view one another. 
but he also gives us some advice. So we're going to look at three perspectives and a little bit of advice that is super, super important. And I think it'll echo some of what Solomon did as well in 1 Kings 3. All right. So now perspective is important. Perspective is simply this. It's the way you see things based upon the things you know or based upon the things that you understand or based upon the things that you perceive or feel. That, that shapes your perspective or we may even say your view on things or your view on life or maybe even your, your worldview, the way you view things around you. The Jesus way that the Bible teaches us, the New Testament especially, the Christian way, has a different way of looking at life. You've probably discovered that in your reading, that, that Jesus looks at life a whole lot different than the people that were teaching uh, in the synagogues during his time. He sees life a whole lot different than those Romans who were there. He sees life a whole lot different than just the everyday common Joe. Jesus comes to give us a whole brand new perspective on what life is, what God is, who God is, what he has his plan for us, all these things about life and concerning how we treat each other and our relationships. Jesus comes with this whole different way to do life and to look at life. He gives another perspective, right? In fact, his perspective is so different that most people, when they hear him teach, they say things like this. We've never heard anything said like that before. Because Jesus brought a whole new way. Actually, he brought the way. So trust and faith, as the scripture lays it out, trust and faith is a way of looking at life and it's a way of responding to life. It's a perspective again, okay? So your perspective is super duper important. How you see the world. I'm not just talking about with these eyes. I'm talking about with your eyes and how you interpret it in your heart and that, and, and that charts the course of your life and the actions that you have in life. Your perspective is very important to your mental health, your spiritual health, and your physical health. And your perspective is hugely important on how you treat other people. Okay? So let's talk about perspective. James gives perspective number one here in verse number two. He says this, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Can you read that with me? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So he says, when you're going through trouble, get happy. What? <laughs> that, that's, that's a whole different perspective because that that, that's not the first thing that comes to mind when we go through trouble, is it? So he, he gives us a whole new way to look at our troubles, whether they be physical troubles, whether they be um, uh, family troubles or money troubles or uh, Maybe you lost a job or demoted or something going, the company's cutting back or something of that nature. Whatever the trouble may be, family troubles and children troubles and all those kind of things, whatever the trouble may be, James says, I want you to have a whole new perspective as followers of Jesus. I want you to count it all joy. So this word count right here is that we consider it different than the world considers it. You know, in a lot of trouble, we go through the same as the world. You know, the last few months is the virus and the sickness and all that. We all went through that, believer, unbeliever alike. We all had to go through it, didn't we? And we're still going through it. You know, all the things that's going on and all the upheaval in our world, we're all going through that together. But as believers, we consider it a little bit different. We evaluate it or judge it a little bit differently. The word count also could mean calculate. And I thought about getting out my calculator and, and doing some math and, and, and do some spiritual math. And he says, I want you to look at all of your life and all of your trouble. And as a follower of Jesus, I want you to count it all up. Do the math. And your calculations when you're done. 
A plus B plus C times X, Y, Z in the spirit times Jesus equals joy. You got it? <laughs> That's what he's saying, that we count things differently. We count it all up. And at the end of the day, if we perceive it the way God says it and the way God promises we have joy even in the midst of trouble. Now, we may have grief with our troubles. Now, that doesn't mean we look at life, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't mean we don't have tears. It doesn't mean that we don't have sorrows. It doesn't mean that we don't have pain. We've got that. As I speak to you right now, I've got pain in a couple part joints in my body. How about y'all? As you listen. So we have those kind of things. Uh, we've got pain in our, our family, working out relationships and, and, and dealing with sickness and things. Those, but you know what? When we look at it all, that's a pretty good catch. When we look at it all, from the perspective of God that he gives us, not just a temporary perspective, but an eternal perspective, we can still shed a tear and have joy in our hearts. It's, it's, a, it's just an odd thing that we've got going here. So you've got to learn to count again. You've got to learn to count the way God would have you count it. Hmm. Joy. Why? If I look at all my life and... and some of you got a lot going on. There's no doubt about it. More than the average bear, maybe. You got a lot going on. But if you do the math, factoring in Jesus and his promises, you can come up with joy. Why? Because in Christ, there's a lot to be happy about. In Jesus, there's a lot to smile about. You, you realize that there's a lot to be happy about. We can count it differently because we see it differently. Still going through the same thing, but different eyes. Okay. In the kingdom of God, all is well. Do you realize that? In the kingdom of God, God sits upon his throne, Jesus at his right hand, and he has promised good to you and to me. And he's promised to work in our situations. He's promised to work them out for his glory and for our good. Sometimes it's now. Sometimes it's in the here and now. He works it out for our good. But the promise for sure is that when it's all said and done in eternity, it will be counted good. And plus, think about all the benefits that we have in this kingdom that, that Jesus has invited us into. And given us citizenship in, in the kingdom of God. Think of all the benefits we have. Forgiveness of sins. That, that is a huge, wonderful benefit. And it's not just the forgiveness of my sins of the past, but he walks with me and he helps me and he, he forgives me of the sins that I commit along the way. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The new life that he's given us. He's made all things new. He's made me new. The healing that he gives us from time to time in our bodies and, and in our souls and the healing of our broken hearts and, and deliverance that he promises us and the peace of God that passes all understanding that belongs to us. It's part of our inheritance. It's part of not what we're waiting on, but that's part of what we can live on today. Eternal life, Jesus has promised us that the kind of life that God has is now ours, now, today. We're not waiting to get eternal life when we die. He gives us eternal life by breathing his own spirit into our bodies. He's given us an everlasting kingdom. And Jesus would look and say, don't be afraid, little flock, because it's your father's good pleasure to give you his whole kingdom. <laughs> it's ours we're, we're children of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. God's spirit lives within us and we're a part of the household of God and all of the things that he's promised us. And we could go on and on and on in this vein talking about all the many wonderful benefits in spite of all of our trouble. That belongs to us because of the shed blood of Jesus. 
He purchased that and said, I'm going to buy it and you can have, you can get in on it. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? And besides all of that, the promise is this, that this light affliction, no matter what the affliction is, it says this light affliction, this, this light trouble that we're going through is but for a moment and it's nothing to be compared to the weight of glory that we will one day experience. So James says, get out your calculator. And he says, your problem's not that you're thinking too much. He said, your problem is you're not thinking deep enough. I want you to count different. I want you to consider a little bit more. Go a little bit deeper than just what's on the surface. Go a little bit deeper than just your circumstances and start tapping in to the eternal promises of God and it will change your perspective. Everybody say, count it all joy. Count it all joy. <laughs> I like it. All right, second perspective. How are we moving right along? Second perspective. Knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. You're going to really shout on this one. I can just tell you right now, you're going to shout real good on me. Say that with me. Knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. He says that God will give you double for your trouble. One of the things that he does is he helps work out our situations, but the double comes in is he's not only working on the situation, he's working on me. And something that God wants to produce in our lives is patience. Oh, Lord. You just had to get there, didn't you? A test handled properly, according to James, a test handled properly produces this wonderful virtue called patience. Everybody say patience. Say it quick. Now, come on, say it quick. I ain't got time. No. <laughs> oh, boy, said, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Anybody like that? You know, you got a problem with patience when you're sitting there waiting on the microwave and telling it to hurry up. You know, you got a problem, you know. <laughs> so a test handled properly produces patience. Now, a test for us as believers mishandled leads to another opportunity to prove yourself again. Got to give you another lap around the mountain. That may not be pleasant, but it will be for our good. So patience is a good thing. You, you understand that? You ever sit down with somebody? Maybe you're going through a hard time or really needing to talk to somebody. You ever sit down with somebody, maybe it's a grandparent or aunt or uncle or dear friend or something of that nature, a counselor or something, and they just listened. And they were just so patient. And you're handing them a ball of mess, and they're just so patient just to help you sort it all out. Just so, you ever, you ever sat down with, you ever had the privilege to sit down and the honor to sit down with somebody like that? And, and their patience does what for you? It, it just kind of calms you down, doesn't it? I mean, you can be frantic mess, just off going to Pluto. And if they're, they're especially a spirit-filled believer who comes to you and says, come on, let's just calm down, let's sit down. The peace and the patience that's on them, it becomes contagious for you, doesn't it? It helps a lot. Patience is a good thing. It's, a, it's such a needed thing for all of us. It's so important for us in our relationship with God, and it's also important in our relationship with other people. Because people that don't have patience usually don't have very good relationships. You know why? Because we mess them up, don't we? And, and hey, this is something we all got to work on and let it work on us. Let, let me suggest this to you. Pray for patience. Somebody said they don't like doing that. But, but it's going, it's, God wants us to have it, okay? You know why? Because guess who the most patient one is? 
Guess who's been putting up with you all your life? Him. He's been putting up with me a lot. And he's been patient with me. Do this. We pray. Learn to train your patient muscle. You didn't even know you had one of those, did you? <laughs> Learn to train your patience. Okay? Patience is not just something that comes to us. According to James and other scriptures we could look at, patience is something that gets trained in us. It's something that we learn along the way. It's something that we acquire. It's a virtue that we, we, we acquire and we grow into, and it grows in us. Learn to train your patient muscle, okay? L let, me, let me tell you how. Just, just for whatever, next time or one of these times when you drive from here to Meridian or from here to work or wherever down Highway 17 right here, do 55. Just drive speed limit. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being facetious. I'm being for real. Train your patience. Train your patience. You're always in a hurry, rushing around, doing everything, and it, and, it, and it really is not always good for your life. Train. I'm not saying, you, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I like that Sammy Hagar song, you know, I can't drive 55, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I was raised on that kind of thing. You, you, you remember that guy? <laughs> train your patience muscle. Okay, next time you get on the highway and you're, you're riding behind somebody that's doing 60 and you're riding right behind them, instead of risking the life of the whole family and passing them on a two-lane highway in, in, a, in a curve, just, just ride behind them. Just ride behind them for a little bit. I'm training my patience. Lord, help me, Jesus. I, I, I'm not being facetious. I know this is kind of funny and comical, but I'm, I'm serious about that now. Maybe next time you come to the red light, don't be the one to jump out in front and try to beat everybody down. Next time you go to the supermarket, just, just stand in line. You one of those people that watches the line? Oh, that, I'm going over here. Oh, oh, no, no, it's back over here again. Now this, this cashier's slow. Oh, they opened up this one over here. I'm going to go over here real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now I understand there are times we're in a hurry. All the time, though, something's happened in us. And my friend Dallas Willard, what he says is, that we, we've got something in our, in our world, in our minds, called hurry sickness. We're just in such a hurry as a, as, a, as a culture, as a people. And God says that patience is something that we need desperately. And that's one reason why we don't like the test. Have I lost you? You find a way. I don't know. I, I just made some suggestions because that's things we always do. And, 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 hey, I can be the world's worst. Hey, I, I, I used... Before I came here, I drove Mustang GTs. I, I know all about that. And I, I miss my Mustang GT convertible. I miss it. I'm going to get me another one, though. Y'all going to see it. Oh, the pastor got one. Yeah, you're going to see it. Don't worry about it. You're going to see it. <laughs> I say, I like, I, like, I like doing all that. I like getting somewhere quick, all that kind of thing. But I have, in my older age, I've had to say, you got to calm down or you're going to blow out. <sighs> Find a way to do this. Find a way. I, I don't know how it's going to work for you. I don't know what. Train yourself in patience. Sit down in a conversation with your, with your family. And instead of talking, just listen. So you're training your patience. I lost you. Help us, Jesus. See, patience is not just waiting. See, we think of patience, we think of time. We think of, I got, I got two minutes left. Give me everything you got. We think of timing. But patience is not just about timing. It is about that. But patience is about waiting in faith. It's about you learning to lose control of your life and surrender and trust the Lord with all your heart. That's what patience is about. 
You see what I'm talking about? Patience is standing strong in the face of adversity. It's persevering and overcoming the obstacles so that the obstacles turn into opportunities for you to grow and for you to maybe share. Patience is a sign of faith and hope. And it's a major, major key to our victory. Now listen, it's a major key to our relationships too now. All right, you good? So how can we be patient in a world that is so impatient? How can we as believers, see we got another perspective here. How can we be patient? Because we know that God is at work. See, faith is not believing that God will do something. Faith is believing that God is doing something. Even as I speak, he's working on situations that I've laid before him, on family members that, that need his help desperately, on, on finances that need multiplication or help or, 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 something, or management or wisdom. Whatever it might be, I'm laying before the Lord, and I have faith to know that he not will do something, but that he is doing something. That's faith. Okay. Again, he's working on my situation for good, but he's also working on me for growth. You understand? And you know, here's a little secret. God's actually more concerned about you than your situation. He's more concerned about you, not, not what you go through, but the kind of person you are becoming. That's what he's really interested in. Because he's after you. You ever felt like that God's after you? Man, yeah, because he, he, he don't leave me alone. Thank God for that. All right, perspective number three. Kind of along the same, same vein here. Let patience have its perfect work. Say it with me. Let patience have its perfect work. You still got patience with me? You still letting it have its work? You gonna let me have a little more time? <laughs> let patience have its perfect work. This, this idea of, of you and I letting is to submit our will to God and leave the outcome and the timing to him. Now, this is the hard part. To submit. Our, well, how did Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane teach us to pray? I mean, he prayed this, but we're also his students looking in. So we're learning from him as we see him pray. How did he pray in that garden? Remember that? In the most excruciating time of his life, facing the cross at the Garden of Gethsemane. How did Jesus pray? Remember that? What was the prayer? You remember? Not my will, but yours be done. He, he prayed it three times, the scripture says. And he prayed it with such intensity that his sweat turned to blood. I mean, it, he, he, was, he was bearing down so hard, as, as the old brothers and sisters say, grabbing the horns of the altar kind of thing. I mean, just bearing down, praying through kind of deal. He was praying through so hard that, that, it, that it literally affected his physical body. But he prayed not, my, that's, that's a great prayer for us, isn't it? Not my will. Not, not what I want, Lord. But, but maybe what you won't be done. So that's submission. That's submission. So stop fighting so hard against what is best for you. Stop fighting so hard. Let it go. You heard that old saying, let go and let God. You heard that old saying. That's, that's not a bad one. Stop trying to control everything and everybody. It's going to wear you down. It's going to wear that relationship out. Let patience have its perfect work. It's almost like patience to hear James almost personifies it. I, I really could say, let God have his perfect work here. Let, let the Spirit have his perfect work. Let, let Christ have his perfect work in you. 
You could really almost say that. See, what God wants to do is for you to go through certain things in life, which we're just going to. Some of it's ordained, some of it just happens, you know, that kind of thing. God wants you to have rest in whatever you're going through. Remember what Jesus said? This, it's actually one of my favorite things to preach. Jesus said, take my yoke. Remember we had that yoke a few weeks ago, a few months ago at this point? Uh, yeah, six months ago now at this point, probably. But we had that yoke, remember? And Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn how to do life from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find, what? What did he say? You will find rest for your soul. What a wonderful promise. But it's the condition promise on us taking the yoke of Christ. Getting in, because see, now when I get into the yoke with Jesus, remember that double yoke we showed you? The double yoke, Jesus in this side and I'm in this side and we're pulling this load together. And the reason the yoke is easy and the burden is not quite so heavy, the burden's light, is because I'm not pulling it by myself anymore. I'm not managing the universe anymore. You know, not even my universe. I'm not managing that anymore. That I have someone who is a lot wiser and stronger and powerful and more insightful than I am. Lots more tact and lots more patience than I have. I'm not pulling it by myself. So I can let patience. I can be patient. I can leave the outcome and the timing to God. Now, did you see his, his little play on words here? He says, let patience have its perfect work. And what was, what was the verse? How did, how did it say? Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Did you see the little play on words? The perfect work of God perfecting you. So that you, you lack no good thing. You lack no good thing that God can add it all to you because the foundation is strong, the structure of your life is strong, and God can just keep adding and keep blessing and keep prospering and keep giving because you're being perfected into the image of Christ. Do you see that? So let patience have its perfect work. So be patient with patience. <laughs> These, these, these kind of sermons go like, I mean, we're so far away from this idea that our perspective is like, not, not me. And you're, you're believing a lie that I am just who I am. No, get some God perfect work working on you, girl. Come on, man. Let God work you and work on you and shape you into something. Stop holding on to that old me. No, no, let go of that old guy. You're in Christ now. We've got a whole new way to live. <laughs> and so his advice comes to us. So those three perspectives. He gives us some instructions, some advice. He says, do this. And this is where it comes into our teaching about give me wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay, read that with me now. I'm just like you, I like you saying the word of God, all right? Read that scripture with me. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him or to her. All right. So the advice is real simple, really. You're going through trouble. 
You don't have what you need. Healing, resources, insight, direction, whatever it might be. You, 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 need, you come up short. You, you're lacking in, in knowledge or wisdom to understand what to do. What do you do? What is the wisdom he gives us right here? What's the advice? Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Now, let's make this real practical. You, 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 you got a business meeting coming up. You know, it, it might be a little rough because you got to confront some things. And sometimes when business, you got to just do business. But you don't want it to become personal. God, give me wisdom on how to say this. Give me wisdom on how to share this so that, so that those that I'm working with and those, maybe even my boss that I have to bring this, to, that, that, that I handle it properly. Give me, give me wisdom. Maybe it's a family situation or a child and, and that, that, thing's, that, that kid's so out of sorts with certain things. Lord, give me wisdom as I talk. Help, help them have wisdom. You know, it's one of the things I pray over our kids so much is just God, give them wisdom, just protect them. Guide them, guard them, give them your wisdom. Because it's wisdom that saves the day. Solomon says it's wisdom that's the principal thing. Well, you, you just apply that to any situation in life. Ask. And the promise is, is that if you ask, he's going to give. Right? So when you ask, expect God to speak. That's faith, isn't it? That's faith. Expect God to give you wisdom. So listen for it. Listen for it. It may come through a child. It may come through a teaching. It may come through another believer. It may come through an impression in your heart. It, it, it may come a multiple. It may come through your devotion. It may come. But if you're asking, something happens to your ears. They perk up. God speaks. Boom. We've got what we need. You understand? I mean, it works like that. It works like that. But James says to us now. I don't have time to, to unpack all the, the rest of the, the six, seven, and eight. But he says, when you ask, be sure you ask in faith now. When you specifically ask for wisdom, don't doubt for one minute that God can't or God won't. Don't doubt for one minute. Just believe that he will. But here, here's where patience has got to go. I ask for the wisdom, but I've got to let that go. Not try to control the outcome. Not try to control the timing. Just believe that he's got it. That's, that's kind of the hard part for us. Believe that he's got it. Now, let, let's close with this idea. Here's the kind of wisdom that God wants to give us. Let's close with this, Ephesians 5. I'll just introduce, it's kind of an archaic word, but it's such an interesting word. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I just want to show you this, this one simple word right here. Circumspectly. Everybody say that with me. Circumspectly. It, it's, it's the idea of walking wise is the idea of walking circumspectly. Now, if you look at circumspectly, it's, it's, it's what we call a compound word. It's, it's jammed together. There's two words right there. You see, you see the two words? What are the two words? Like circum or circumference. You see that idea? And then spectacles, okay? When I think of circumference of something, what, I, what is that? That's like the perimeter, and that's like, that's like a circle. Like if it's a circumference of something. Oh, I can't do that too fast. <laughs> I really do get dizzy quick. It's a circle. Now think about this. He says, see then that you walk, or the way you see life and the way you walk in life, I want you as a believer in Jesus to be able to see in a circle. 
You see it? The circle and then the spectacles or spec, spectacles is the, is the word for eyes. It's the idea of eyes. It means to see in a circle. And it, it's the idea of looking very carefully at how you walk or how you live your life. Okay? Now, we have to have God's help to see in a circle. We have to have other believers' help to see in a circle. Because you, you've heard the old saying is that we, we have blind spots. Don't you have a blind spot? Oh, yeah, we all have them. We all have them. So we, we need help. We need especially God's help. And this is the idea of us. We're asking for this kind of wisdom. To see in a circle means that we see all the factors. That we know the hearts involved. We maybe even know their motives. We know the implications of what the decision is going to lead to. We know the future ramifications, possibly. Now, see, we can't figure all that out on our own, for sure. It's the whole picture. He says, I want you to see circumspect. I want you to see this kind of wisdom that you see the whole picture. And the timing of it all. Timing is huge in the scriptures. It's huge in life. So how in the world can I live like that with my little brain, my little influence, my little bit of understanding of things? I have to hook my wagon to him. Because who is the all-knowing, all-seeing one? It's him. Who is the all-wise one, the ancient of days? It's him. So when I ask him for wisdom, I'm asking him to help me see what I can't see by myself. I, I, when I say, think about looking in a circle, I promise you my mama has eyes in the back of her head. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'd just be in the church somewhere. And, and I, I mean, she doesn't even look back. She says, Ron, sit down. Stop that. What? what, what? <laughs> you didn't even look at me. Wait a minute. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. I couldn't even sneak around, you know. I, did anybody have a mama like that? Anybody like that? <laughs> see, it's God. God can see what we can't see. See, God has no blind spots. He has no blind spots about what he wants out of your future. He has no blind spots about your weaknesses. And we hook up with him. By simply asking. And the promise is, is this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Are you in all? Are you in it all? So we're going to ask by faith and we're going to receive God's wisdom. And he is going to give us, to, if he gives it to us liberally, what does that mean? He's going to give it to us freely. He's going to give you more than you need. Isn't that good? Because the God we're dealing for gives us abundantly above all that we ask or think in every area of life. Here we're talking about wisdom. God wants to give us wisdom liberally, and he's not going to hold it against you. He's not going to say, you're just not that smart, are you? You have to keep coming to me. No, no, no. He likes that. He knows that we're just dust. He knows that we need his help. And he says, so when you come to me, don't come with your head cowered down thinking I'm going to scold you again for coming. Just come with your head high and say, Daddy, help. I need an answer here. I need some help. I need some insight here. I need some guidance. I need some direction. Give me wisdom.